you made it, but Sof- Sophia is not here. Later, okay. <coughs> I'll change my talk then. I was going to say something to her. <laughs> uh, I wanted to say a few words about uh, what we call the Bodhisattva path. Uh, for those who are uh, entering formally entering the uh, Bodhisattva path today. Uh, Bodhisattva means wisdom being. Bodhi means uh, awake. And, uh, and it means wisdom. And sattva means being. This is Sanskrit. And uh, in the, the evolution of uh, understanding of what, uh, what it meant to be on the path of uh, Buddha Dharma, or an awake, truth-seeking being, um, the, uh, the understanding of what a bodhisattva is uh, has gone through a, a lot of development. And uh, I want to just touch on a few points here this morning. There have been millions of words written about the the Bodhisattva path. Uh, Maybe for those who are new here also, I should introduce the Bodhisattvas up on the altar. We have uh, several archetypes of wisdom beings that are represented here on the altar. in the center is uh, Manjushri Bodhisattva. Manjushri is uh, the complete embodiment of, of wisdom, which uh, has a kind of a connotation of clarity and cutting through uh, confusion and cutting through uh, distraction, cutting through bewilderment and fear. And that's uh, symbolized by the, the sword. So it's, it's, it's a compassionate sword of wisdom that Bodhisattva uh, uh, Manjushri is holding. And then uh, on the right, we have uh, the figure that's uh, the ivory-colored figure here is uh, Avalokiteshvara, or in China uh, called Kuan Yin, or in Japan called Kanon. Uh, we also have a Kanon figure outside the, the Zendo here. And this is the archetype of of compassion. Compassion meaning that uh, the Avalokiteshvara or your own 
compassionate bodhisattva in your own being uh, is oriented towards others, other people, other beings. Hearing, listening, and feeling with. Compassion means feeling with. Uh, and then the third figure here is uh, a stand-in <laughs> for, this is, this is not the correct iconography here, because this is Amatthias, but uh, uh, I'd like to uh, balance it out by having uh, Samantabhadra is the third, uh, really a supporting role. Actually, Manjushri and Pavlakiteshvara, the, the pair, the team of wisdom and compassion are, are primary, but uh, Samantabhadra is um, the embodiment of one's intention, or one's vow. And that's uh, very important today as we uh, prepare to do the vow-taking ceremony for bodhisattvas. And Samantabhadra is usually portrayed as riding on an elephant. And uh, if you've ever watched an elephant walk, there's a kind of an indomitable quality, but also a kind of a, a real um, sensitivity surprising me, uh, surprised, surprised me when I've actually watched elephants, they're kind of sensing the ground with their trunk and then their feet actually uh, find the right places. Um, but there's a, there's a quality of, of uh, commitment that's symbolized by the elephant, which is the vow that never stops. So we have a saying that uh, even if the sun should rise in the west, the bodhisattva has only one way, or the bodhisattva's way is the same. So it means that entering this path, your commitment includes everything that might happen. Um, everything that has already gone before, everything that is happening right now, and everything that may surprisingly pop up uh, is actually already included. Your way continues, no matter what. This is, of course, something that we realize over and over again. And uh, we dedicate ourselves over and over again when uh, things happen. But that do surprise us, or do shake us up, or feel like uh, they bowl us over or overwhelm us. Um, and of course, this can happen in many ways. One uh, simple little story. Um, about interruptions, actually, is that um, one time I was, uh, I was living at Green Gulch Farm, Zen Center, and I was working in the garden. And uh, one day I had the job of, of planting beans, um, bean seeds. And it was down in the field, and uh, it happened that I was alone down there. I was by myself, and so I was making it a practice to really focus. I had this furrow, and I was planting the beans in a row in this furrow, and uh, so I was 
I was really bringing my attention fully to each bean seed, planting this bean seed, and I was really getting into it, you know, really getting concentrated. I thought I was getting concentrated, feeling pretty good. And then out of the periphery of my vision, I could see some people coming down the path. Um, and as soon as I saw those people, that interrupted my concentration, and I began to resent their arrival. And I knew they were going to come closer and closer and closer. And then they were probably going to come and stop and say, what are you doing? And uh, as they were getting closer, I thought, oh, God. <laughs> I just want to be able to do my Zen practice, right? <laughs> I just want to be able to plant these beans, one bean at a time. And I can stay concentrated. And um, then I thought, oh, they're probably going to come and ask directions to the beach. It's obvious. You just walk downhill and to the beach, you know. But uh, um, somewhere between the point of my rising frustration and the time at which they arrived, I realized that they were already included in my bean planting. I realized that they'd been approaching for eons. They'd already been approaching endlessly. It was very foolish of me to think that they weren't already there. It was foolish of me to think that the world was just planting one bean, as if that excluded other, other, other beings. And it was a wonderful realization that um, it's possible to stay focused, to do, to do something, and at the same time, include others. At the same time, include um, anything else that may happen. And so then I put a little corollary on my vow, which to remind myself that um, the Bodhisattva includes all beings. So therefore, the bodhisattva can never be interrupted. And then all the times that I've been interrupted, I think, oh, that's my problem. <laughs> if I think I'm being interrupted, it's because my world is too small. It's not really the whole bodhisattva vision. I use that a lot with my kids. <laughs> you know, those of you who have children know that when a child uh, want something, they want it right now, particularly when they're young. Even teenagers, though. Don't they want something? They want it right now. And uh, it, it took me a while to, to respond right now. Sometimes I'd feel some resistance. I'm already doing something. I'd feel some resistance. And, uh, but I kept training myself. And so now, uh, um, this morning, uh, I was just doing nothing in particular, and Chris came up and said, excuse me, but uh, do you have a piece of tape and something to write with? And I guess I must have looked like I was interrupted. I'm sorry. Because then you said, oh, I realize you're busy. <laughs> but then uh, I got the tape. So it's uh, just another example. Every, every time someone comes up to me with something, I feel this is an opportunity to expand this uh, bodhisattva vow. 
in case I wasn't already including whatever it is that's coming up. I wanted to read a couple of traditional statements just so you know I'm not making all this up. So this, this may sound a little strange, a little stilted. This is uh, kind of a rough translation of um, a part of the Diamond Sutra. And I will abbreviate it here. Um, but um, the Diamond Sutra is a, a conversation or a dialogue between Subhuti and uh, the Buddha, Tathagata. Uh, and uh, Subhuti has asked, how should bodhisattvas conduct themselves? And um, the Buddha responds, someone who has set out in the vehicle of a bodhisattva should produce a thought in this manner. As many beings as there are in the universe of beings, comprehended under the term beings, whether they're egg-born, born from a womb, moisture-born, or mi miraculously born, with or without form, with perception, without perception, and with neither perception nor non-perception, as far as any conceivable form of beings is conceived, all these I must lead to nirvana, into that realm of nirvana which leaves nothing behind. And yet, although innumerable beings have thus been led to nirvana, no being at all has been led to nirvana. And why? If in a bodhisattva the notion of a being should take place, she could not be called a bodhi-being. And why? She is not to be called a bodhi-being in whom the notion of a self or of a being takes place, or the notion of a living soul or of a person. So this could be the beginning of a a wonderful lecture. <laughs> Coming around, how can the Bodhisattva save all these beings, and at the same time there are no beings? Um, and here is a response, uh, which comes to this, really to the same kind of question. And this is from the Vimalakirti Sutra. Uh, Vimalakirti is um, uh, another dialogue, and it's a little more complicated. Vimalakirti is uh, a sick man lying in bed, and uh, he's a great wise person, and all these various uh, uh, esteemed bodhisattvas like Manjushri and Avalokiteshvara and dozens of others know that he's so wise that uh, they feel a little foolish even coming and hanging out with him. But they also realize they have uh, commitment to go and spend some time with a sick person. And so they do, and uh, this wonderful series of dialogues takes place. Um, one little section of it here is when Manjushri uh, asks, uh, basically the question is, if a bodhisattva doesn't regard beings as really existing as separate beings, then how does a bodhisattva generate compassion? 
and uh, bringing a few to replies. Manjushri, when a bodhisattva considers all living beings, she thinks, just as I have realized the Dharma, so, so should I teach it to others. Thereby, he generates the love that is truly a refuge for all living beings, the love that is peaceful because free of grasping, the love that is not feverish because free of passion, the love that accords with reality because it is equanimous in all three times, past, present, and future, the love that is without conflict because free of the violence of the passions, the love that is non-dual because it is involved neither with the external nor with the internal, the love that is imperturbable and totally ultimate. Thereby, she generates the love that is firm, its high resolve unbreakable like a diamond, the love that is pure, purified in its intrinsic nature, the love that is even, its aspirations being equal, the love that has eliminated its enemy, uh, the bodhisattva's love that continually, and by eliminating its enemy, of course, it does not mean killing enemies. <laughs> it means realizing that enemies don't exist. The bodhisattva's love that continuously develops living beings. The Tathagata's love that understands reality. The Buddha's love that causes living beings to awaken from their sleep. And it goes on and on, describing the qualities. So it's clear that this path includes the wisdom to see beings as truly not separate. And it includes seeing that. It includes a real feeling of warmth and connection, this compassionate quality of feeling with. In the ceremony we're going to do today, um, several people are going to formally enter the Sangha. We call it Sangha, the community of followers of the way. And Sangha uh, was described at one time by Rita Gross, who's uh, really a brilliant uh, translator and uh, writer of uh, Buddhist philosophy. Um, she described Sangha as the matrix of, en of enlightenment. And uh, matrix is, a, is an interesting word. It's a wonderful word. It has a connotation of kind of a fabric. But it also literally comes from the Latin root mater, which is mother. And so Sangha being the mother of enlightenment, which means that we all, participating together, um, can be nourishing enlightenment, or awakening each other. And um, so we consider the point at which you enter the Sangha as a very significant event. We make a big deal out of it. And uh, there's been some preparation involved. Um, People have done some sewing, sewing their robes. Um, there have been some documents prepared which uh, show the lineage of our connection going all the way back to uh, Shakyamuni Buddha, 93 generations back. 
2,500 years back. Of course, some of that's been fabricated, but it's uh, an important, uh, important to recognize the continuity and um, the, the quality of being able to take something that's very valuable and nourish it and then pass it on. So it's a, a wonderful cultural creation. And we're in the midst of, uh, actually it's an experiment, I would say. We're, we're continuing this experiment. It's not something that was at one time fixed. It's something that was uh, kind of inspired and then kind of reignited and refreshed uh, millions of times. And um, actually part of this vow is moment by moment to reawaken and refresh ourselves and each other. So I hope that gives you a little sense of the uh, great commitment these people are making. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing. I think uh, the world uh, in its suffering and uh, in each life's moments of uh, joy and aggravation, um, we need all the bodhisattvas that we can muster, all the bodhisattvas that we can develop or conjure up. So it's a great pleasure for me as a, a Dharma teacher to have the opportunity to work with uh, some people and find out, oh, there's some people who want to really live a bodhisattva life and uh, help in whatever way I can. So we are about to do that. Um, I better stop talking. The, uh, the next uh, sequence of events will be that uh, we'll do a little more uh, we'll have a little break as soon as I finish this talk. Um, we'll do a little bit of reorganization of the room. We'll need to um, put up a little table in the middle and some other mats. And then uh, we'll bring in some other, um, there's some other uh, zabatons and mats uh, right there, and there's some other zapus in the little cottage, and we can actually have more people gathering around. And um, as long as we leave a couple of aisles so people can come in and out. And um, so if you need to use the bathroom, there's a bathroom in this little cottage right here, and another one in the basement, um, which people, if you're, if you're new here, people who are around can help you find those. Um, and um, then we'll reconvene here in about 10 minutes and do the Bodhisattva ordination ceremony.
Ah. Uh-huh. 